0: Series on the parables this morning. I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. This is actually two verses prior to uh, the verses we looked at last week. So I skipped this parable, so I'm coming back to it today. Matthew 13, 31. The scripture says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. We're also going to look at uh, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. The scripture says, For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro, throughout the whole earth. Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you'd open our eyes and cause us to see, cause us to perceive, cause us to become aware so that we don't miss the mustard seed. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Missing the mustard seed. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Missing. The mustard seed. So easy to miss the mustard seed. So easy to sleep on the mustard seed. Because that you look right by it. You know, all of us in this place, we've missed a lot of mustard seeds. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be awesome to go back to 90, 1997 and buy some Amazon stock at its IPO. Like that would be tight, right? Yeah. Like, do you realize that if you bought thousand dollars of Amazon stock at its IPO, it'd be worth $160,000 today, 160 X or 16,647%. You see, when Amazon first, launched first ipo'd it was a mustard seed it looked so small and insignificant yeah. it was just a niche market they just sell online books yeah. and so people said it's so small and it's so niche it only pertains to this one little realm over here online books so don't buy it because it's not going to become anything it looks small and insignificant Jesus says, This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a mustard seed that's so small that when people look at it, they say, This isn't going to become anything great. Because isn't that what people think about the Christian faith? That it's a niche market? That it only pertains to the world of church or religion? or the Christian life. Isn't that what people tend to think about the gospel of Jesus, that it only pertains within this little niche market that we call the church, and we tend to assume that it actually does not have significance for your entire life? Who would have thought that this little online bookseller called Amazon would actually become the marketplace for, uh, well, everything? I mean, Amazon today is the opposite of a niche. Amazon sells everything, and at the same time, they sell nothing. Because they're just the platform for selling everything. And they take a piece of every sale on their platform. This is one of the primary themes of Jesus in his parables when he's describing the kingdom of heaven. Remember we said that the word parable literally means to cast down alongside. Jesus takes this story and throws it down alongside the reality of the kingdom of heaven. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. He says, if you want to understand the kingdom of heaven, listen to this story that I'm casting alongside it. And one of the themes that comes out in his parables again and again and again, is that the kingdom of heaven starts out small, but becomes great. Starts out seemingly insignificant, but ultimately has ultimate significance. And this this theme of the seeming insignificance of God's kingdom, of God's work, works its way throughout all of Scripture. Remember that dude Abraham? Abraham. God names him father of many nations when he ain't got no kids. It's bad enough that his name was exalted father when he was barren, but God comes to him and says, your name will no longer be Abram, exalted father. No, your name is father of many nations. Abraham, I've made you the father of many nations. God called him the father of many nations before he was the father of even a single son. Because that's kind of how God works. He calls those things which are not as though they were. He speaks things that are yet invisible to us. He says that it's so when it doesn't yet seem to be so. And often we overlook the word of the Lord because we look at reality and it doesn't conform. Well, that can't be true. This man can't be the father of many nations because he's already 80 years old and ain't got no kids. And this man, I was reading that, what is the prophet? The prophet Isaiah, I believe, speaks of Abraham. He's talking to Israel, and he says, look to the rock from which you were hewn. And he says, look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah, your mother. Then he says, when I called Abraham, he was but one. But I blessed him and made him many. Which sounds like such a linear process, doesn't it? God says, when I called Abraham, he was one, but I blessed him and made him many. And God summarizes decades of barrenness and struggle in that one statement. When I called Abraham, he was but one, meaning if you saw him on the day I called him, you wouldn't have thought nothing of him, but I blessed him and made him many. But if God were to have explained how he blessed him and made him many, he would have stated that a little differently. He would have said, when I called Abraham, he was but one. And then I told him I was going to bless him and make him many, but I didn't even begin to do so for about 20 years. And so I let him wrestle with that blessing. I let him wrestle with that promise. I let him walk it out with that promise for 20 years without fulfilling it because I wanted to see, is he going to hold on to that promise or is he going to let it go? Is he going to hold the word down that I gave him 20 years ago or is he going to vomit it out? Because a lot of people receive promises from God that they vomit out when it doesn't get fulfilled in 45 minutes. I heard recently of someone who's angry with me because I gave them a prophetic word that didn't come to pass about what God was going to do in their life. And they shipwrecked their life in the aftermath. And I thought... I've got prophetic words I received when I was a little boy that God still hasn't fulfilled. But I'm not going to shipwreck my life because those words haven't fulfilled, God hasn't fulfilled those promises yet. Instead, I'm going to hold them down. Why? Because they seem small. They start out small and insignificant. But if you can hold on to that which seems small and insignificant and hold it down and walk it out, you're going to see the glory of God manifested in your life. Starts out small and then becomes great. There's this little kid named Joseph who was the 11th of 12 sons. Younger one, almost the youngest, second to the youngest, but he was the father's favorite. The scripture says that Jacob loved Joseph because he was born to him in his old age. So he made him a coat of many colors. Joseph paraded around in front of his brothers wearing that coat of many colors which provoked them to jealousy. So they beat him. They stripped the coat from him, and then they sold him as a slave to some Ishmaelite slave traders who took him to Egypt and dropped him off and sold him to a guy named Potiphar. So the day Joseph enters Egypt, nobody looks at him and says, there's our future prime minister. He looked like any other slave coming in from the outside. The day Joseph enters Egypt, nobody looks at him and says, he's going to save the world from starvation one day. He's just like any other slave coming in from the outside. The day Joseph enters Egypt, nobody looks at him and says, this is our future and our hope right here. Our future and our hope are in this man. Nobody can see it, but God can see it. Because Joseph is the mustard seed that's sown into the kingdom of Egypt at just the right time. Seemingly insignificant, but God had a plan. David was a mustard seed the day he showed up on the battlefield and heard the taunting of this giant named Goliath down in the valley. And nobody thought the day David entered that battlefield, nobody thought there's our future king. No, they thought there's a snotty, arrogant little kid who thinks he's something little thug kid, a teenager, walks in here thinking he can beat everybody. Man, I don't care how big that giant is. I'll hit him in his kneecap. I'll take him out. He was the mustard seed. And nobody saw how great he was to become, but God saw it. See, you sleep on the mustard seed. You miss the mustard seed because you need eyes of revelation to see the mustard seed. God has to open your eyes to show you that that moment was greater than you thought it was. The moment when you opened your heart to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you know, for some people that moment is dramatic, but for most people it's not. For most people it's just a moment. For most people, you, don't, you might not even have felt anything. You might not have fallen at the altar. You might not have shaken and cried. You might not have seen lightning bolts come from heaven, but you simply opened your heart to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that moment was a mustard seed. But in that mustard seed moment, something was implanted deep on the inside of you that was, seemed small and insignificant, and it might have seemed so small and insignificant that you walked away thinking nothing had happened. I've seen that a lot. Nothing happened. I asked Jesus to come into my heart as Lord and Savior, but nothing happened. I surrendered my life to Jesus, but nothing seemed to change. Yes, it's small and insignificant. It's a small step, it's a small beginning. It starts out small, but it becomes great if you walk it out. Jesus says the mustard seed, it's the smallest of all seeds. But when you plant it, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. But here's the catch. You got to plant it. And you got to water it. And you got to watch it. You got to plant it. And you got to water it. And you got to watch it. And then you got to water it. And then you got to watch it. You see, the mustard seed doesn't grow unless you water it and watch it. The mustard seed doesn't grow unless you water it and watch it. Listen, some of you, God has given the greatest mustard seeds that you could possibly imagine, but no fruit has ever come from it because you did not plant it or you did not water it or you did not watch it. You simply expected the mustard seed to grow on the shelf. Mustard seeds don't grow on the shelf. You got to plant them. Y'all are like a little, little uh, sedated today. Did y'all smoke weed before coming in here? What's going on? I know what it is. I think you're scared I'm going to talk about money again today. Well, I'm glad because I am. You remember that dude, Elijah? 1 Kings chapter 17, he pronounces a famine in all the land. Says there's going to be no more rain and no more dew except at my word. And then the the Holy Spirit just takes him away. Takes him up to a mountain. Sits him down by a brook. It's the only water source in the kingdom. Ravens bring him steak sandwiches in the morning. (laughs) Sliders. And they, then they bring him more sliders in the evening. And he's drinking from the brook, and he's eating steak sandwiches, and everything's, everything's cool until the brook dries up. And then the ravens stop bringing him the food. The supernatural provision is gone. You know, we walk through seasons of supernatural provision, and then all of a sudden the brook dries up. You ever been through that? God allows brooks to dry up when he's moving us towards our destiny. Because had that brook never dried up, Elijah would still be there today. The bones of Elijah with a steak sandwich in his hand. (laughs) Right at the brook. Thank God that brook dried up. Elijah goes to prayer. God, what's next? The Lord speaks to him and says, go down to Zarephath because I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. And he goes down and he sees the widow collecting sticks. And you know the story, I've preached on this many times. He says, can I get a little water? And she says, all right, I'll be right back. And the Lord speaks to Elijah and says, you know I told you to ask her for food. And Elijah's like, but God, do you see this widow? I can't ask her for food. The Lord says, I can't bless her unless you ask her for food. And he says, excuse me, and along with that little bit of water, just bring me a little crust of bread, just a morsel. You ever been so hungry you just needed a morsel, even just a morsel of bread would have been enough for you? We just came out of Thanksgiving. We ain't got no concept of, (laughs) I had more than a morsel on Thanksgiving. Can I get a witness? She gets mad. She says, surely as the Lord your God lives, I ain't got no bread. I just got a little bit of flour. And a little bit of oil. I'm getting ready to go home and make my last biscuit so me and my son can split that biscuit, eat it, and die. And Elijah says, Do what you've said, but bring me a little piece of biscuit first. Because this is what the Lord says if you sow this little morsel of biscuit to the prophet of God's life, your oil's not gonna run dry. And your flower's not gonna run out until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. She somehow finds the faith to go home and make her last biscuit, and in front of her son, break off a piece of that biscuit and say, I'll be right back. Don't you touch the rest of that biscuit till I get back. And she takes it to the prophet. And he eats the biscuit. He says, now go home and make some more. She goes home, there's more oil and there's more flour. She makes more biscuits. And now, every morning and every night, she's making whole pans of biscuits. Can I get a witness? A small offering. A small sacrifice that was a mustard seed that nobody would have seen that little tiny crust of biscuit that she gave to the prophet and said, this is going to be the open door to the provision that's going to sustain her through the rest of the famine. Nobody would have thought it. But it was. I'll never forget, there was a family in our church years ago from the Philippines. There was a situation where they received a letter in the mail saying that they were being deported. They had been in the United States for 18 years. They inquired as to why they were being deported and there was a misunderstanding, let's say. They hadn't done anything wrong, but there was a, misunderstand- there was a miscommunication with some documents. It actually wasn't even their fault. I don't have time to explain, but just trust me. And the mother came to me and she was weeping she said, my kids were born in this country. They were teenagers at the time. My husband and I have been here for 18 years. We, both of our kids were born here. My kids don't know what it's like to live in the Philippines. Our life is here. Pastor, please pray. And you know, when there's situations that are like, there's no possibility. I said, well, did you talk to your lawyer? Because that first thing is like, pray. I mean, I'm going to pray, but did you, you got to get a lawyer. She said, no, I talked to my lawyer. But what does the lawyer say? The lawyer says there's no possibility. It's a done deal. I mean, we're going to go to court next week or in a couple of weeks, but there's no possibility of anything changing in this situation. The lawyer says going to court's just a formality. The judge is just going to rubber stamp it. And you guys within a few weeks are going to be on a plane heading back to the Philippines. It's a done deal. But pastor, please pray. I said, I will pray. Pray that you find a nice home in Manila for your family. Because that's really what I felt like, you know, sometimes you just got to accept that stuff just happens and you got to figure out how to make the best of it. She comes to me every Sunday, pastor pray, please pray. I said, I'm praying, I'm praying. One Sunday or it was a Thursday night. We were having a Thursday thunder. Y'all remember Thursday thunder? She walks up to me and knocks. She knocks on my office door just before the service starts. I open the door. She's got this desperate look on her face. She says, Pastor, please pray. I said, I'm praying. And then she grabs my hand and drops something in my hand. I thought, what is this? And when she walks away, I I open up my hand, and there's an offering for $65. Now, that's a little offering. But the moment I saw that offering, as sure as God lives, I sensed the heavens shift over her situation. And I grabbed her. I said, wait, 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 come here, come here. I looked at her and I said, the heavens just shifted over your situation. She said, Pastor, pray. I said, no, 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 no more praying. It's done. She said, what do you mean it's done? I said, God says that they will not deport you. It is impossible for them to deport you. This has been revoked in heaven. It's done. She said, Pastor, pray. I said, no, no, I, that, the gift of faith just came to me. You know, every once in a while you get a gift of faith, a real gift of faith. Because somebody said, do that for my situation. I can't do that. Only God can do that. Just the gift of faith came, and I said, it's done. It's done. A week later, I saw her standing by the door of my office weeping, and I thought, oh, no, I was wrong. (laughs) She's here to say goodbye. She looks at me, a big smile on her face. She said, Pastor, we went into the court and the judge is looking at the documents and found a discrepancy in the deportation documents filed against us. And he threw the whole thing out of court. But not only did he throw it out of court, but he did something so he said they can never try to deport us again. And they, that was 10 years ago, maybe. They're still living in this country. They never tried again. And I thought, this kind of screws with my theology. Because I can't tell you how many manipulative offerings I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember going to, uh, uh, what, what's that arena in San Francisco? The Cow Palace. And seeing one of my favorite evangelists preached most, one of the most powerful sermons I ever heard. And then he went to the offering. And I got sick to my stomach and I wanted to leave. Because he basically said, it's the year 1997, so if you give a $97 offering, God's going to do the following things in your life. And so give according to your desire. Almost like you have to buy the blessing of God and it costs $97 because it's the year 1997. And then he had everybody who was willing to give the $97 offering come to the altar. He had an altar call for $97 givers and prophesied over them. And they all got healed, delivered, set free in his prophecy. Blessing broke out in their lives. I got sick to my stomach and I wanted to leave. Because it just felt so manipulative. Almost like you're convincing people to pay for a blessing. If you want a blessing, you got to buy it which don't make any sense. How do you buy a blessing when it is by grace that we have been saved through faith and that not of ourselves? It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so I had this theology that the blessings of God are free. It's the benevolent gift of a gracious God. The free gift from God. But it screwed with my theology that this woman gave an offering and the heavens moved. And then I thought, this was prompted by the Spirit of God. This is prompted by the Spirit of God. God showed her precisely the seed to sow, the mustard seed that needed to be sown in this particular situation. And I began to realize that this is a principle that whenever God wants to move on our behalfs, He often calls us to sow a seed. And it's not always a financial seed. But he always gives us the opportunity to participate in the breakthrough, to participate in the miracle. And sometimes the mustard seed that he asks you to sow, it just seems so silly and insignificant. Like Naaman's leprosy. You know the dude Naaman, he's a leper, he's not of Israel. He comes from his people. He hears there's a prophet in Israel, and he comes and says, heal me of my leprosy. And the prophet says, no problem. Go down to the Jordan River and dunk yourself seven times. (laughs) Naaman said, what? That's the mustard seed God wants from you. Man, this man is crazy. I thought the prophet would come out and wave his hand over me. I thought he would anoint me with oil and slay me out in the spirit. I thought he would pour oil over my head and heal me. But he's telling me to go dunk in a river. And Naaman left with his leprosy still sticking to his body. But his servant said, if he had asked you for something great, wouldn't you have done it? If he had asked you for gold and silver, wouldn't you have given it? But all he asked you for was this little ridiculous act, this little mustard seed act that seems insignificant to you. Shouldn't you at least try it? And Naaman said, you know what? You're right. And he goes down to the river, and he dunks seven times, and he comes out on the seventh time completely well and completely clean. Don't miss the mustard seed. See, there's an Amazon moment in your life, but you miss it. There's a Facebook. <laughs> my mom had me rolling back in the day. She told my dad, why don't we buy some of that Facebook stock? And my dad said, well, I think it was Facebook. We're not buying none of that nonsense. (laughs) Oh Lord Jesus, I wish I would have bought me some of that nonsense. But you know what's even better than going back to 1997 and buying Amazon, than going back to whenever the IPO was and buying Facebook or Tesla. You know what's even better? Remember now, your Creator in the days of your youth. You know what's even better? What's even better is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. You know what's even better? What's even better is getting a hold of your mustard seed moment right now. Yeah. Is asking God right now to open your eyes because, listen, here's, here's the crazy thing about even the financial arena, that the next Amazon is being born right now. And we, we don't see it. The next Tesla is being born right now, and we don't see it. Missing previous moments is no problem because there's always new moments. There's always new opportunities. Guess what? You might have missed a 1,000 kingdom mustard seed moments over the last 20 years of your life, but there's a new one today. There's a new one right now. All we need to do is ask God, open my eyes to see the mustard seed moment that you've ordained for me today. So many things. That seems small and insignificant. You know, like getting on your knees to pray for a few minutes in the morning before you go to work. What's that going to do? Like spending personal time in worship. What's that going to do? Like even just coming to church to worship with the people of God. What's that going to do? Like opening your Bible, reading it memorizing a verse of scripture taking god's word and hiding it in your heart what's that going to do all of these things you feel nothing happening most of the time seems completely insignificant do you realize that if you just meditate on scripture for 18 minutes a day you've spent 100 hours a year in the word of god 100 hours a year can you imagine what god could do in a year if you gave him 100 hours Can you imagine what that mustard seed might grow into in a year? Don't miss the mustard seed. Because Jesus himself was a mustard seed sown into the earth. Who would have thought that this baby boy, born in a manger, not a palace, surrounded by the animals, wrapped in swaddling clothes, who would have thought that the, entire, the entirety of history changed the moment this child was born into the world? You know who would have thought it? The shepherds on the hillside who heard the angelic choir sing. The wise men from the east who saw his star and came to worship him. These two groups and these two groups only, shepherds and wise men, received revelation from God to identify the greatest mustard seed moment in all of history, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My prayer this moment is that God would open our eyes to see the mustard seed moment that is now. And that when God shows you the mustard seed that he's put in your hand, that you would sow it, that you would water it, that you would watch it that you would believe. Father, I thank you today that you're in the midst of us, that you're speaking to us, and that you love us with an everlasting love. Lord, we've missed so many mustard seeds in our past, but Lord, I pray that we wouldn't miss our mustard seed today. Show us your glory. Lord, I pray that the specific application of this word would be applied to every heart and soul under the sound of my voice. Lord, there's some in here already who know the mustard seed that you've put in their hand. There's others who don't. But Father, whether we know or whether we don't, I pray that you'd open our eyes to see the seemingly insignificant, the small, despise not the day of small beginnings. Like Zerubbabel's temple, that prophecy from Zechariah regards the temple that Zerubbabel was building and everybody was disappointed because it's so much smaller and less grand than the previous temple. The previous temple was adorned with gold and silver and this temple seems makeshift, Compared to Solomon's temple, it was built, constructed with the cedars of Lebanon. The prophet Zechariah says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. I know that what God is doing in you seems small and insignificant compared to what he did in previous generations, but I'm telling you that the glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former. But don't despise the day of small beginnings. If something was devastated in your life, and now God's beginning to restore, but the restoration seems less than what it was before. but God says, "Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the things that seem small and insignificant. Don't look at what I put in your hand and say it doesn't amount to anything. It's small and insignificant. God says, "I don't do small and insignificant. It may look small and insignificant, but it's not. And for some of you, you are the mustard seed. You are the mustard seed in your family. You are the mustard seed in your community. You're the mustard seed on your job. You are the mustard seed. Wherever you are, God has placed you there as a mustard seed. Your presence changes everything. Allow God to sow you. And don't try to make it great. Let God grow you. Let God plant you, let God water you, and let God watch you grow. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see, give us hearts to believe, give us minds to comprehend, and give us the will to respond and to obey you. I give you praise and glory in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Stand to your feet. We're going to close the service now. but We have altar workers here. If anyone needs special prayer, you can feel free to come. Matter of fact, altar workers, go ahead and come on up here to the front so people know who to come to. Lift your hands to the Lord. I bless you with the blessings of heaven. I bless you with the blessings of earth. And now may the God of peace who through the eternal spirit brought forth from the grave our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep. May he watch over you and protect you. May he reveal to you the good pleasure of his will. And may he open your eyes to see your mustard seed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you.